Hello, welcome to Circuit and Gear, a podcast where we discuss scenic automation and other interesting tech. I'm Gareth Connor, and I'm Royal Marty. Royal, it's been a while. It's been a. It's been too long. It's been too long. Absolutely, <laughs> we're a little off schedule, but it's been a little crazy busy here, yep. and I've been traveling. You're about to go traveling, so. We're trying to squeeze these podcasts in when we can. Right. We're staying mostly to like the week-long interval Yeah, exactly. You know. So forgive us, folks, if we uh, we drift a little bit, but uh, we're... We'll make it up. We'll make it up. Exactly. <laughs> Don't worry. We'll get you your automation fix. <laughs> um, I thought this week we would... The long-awaited discussion of motion math... Right. ...would be right on target. And, Royal, you've been looking forward to this. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Royal actually had to fake an injury to, oh. <laughs> to get out of talking about this, but uh, it turns out we're, we brought the topic we back. We have to in. do it. We have to do it. We, we have, have to do, do it. it. No, we're just kidding, of course. We're looking forward to this. Um, we had some interest uh, from a reader. You want to tell us, tell us what we got in the mailbag? Yeah, so we got an email from, from Jane, and her email says... I've been reading up on motion control theory and was wondering if you could clarify a few things for me. So a common equation for trapezoidal profiles that keeps coming up is PT equals PT plus VT plus one half A or VT equals VT plus A. And she references a, a link to, PMD, to a PMD, which is a motion processor. Right. PMD Corp make uh, motion processors. You can buy the chips, you can buy boards, you can right. buy integrated motion processors and drives. Yeah. Right. So she references one of their... Uh, they have a white paper. White on. paper, right? Yeah. And then she goes on to say, any idea what the purpose of dividing acceleration by two and adding it to the current position and velocity is? Surely just adding velocity to current position would give us the next position. Thanks, Jane. Yeah. And this is, to me, a very interesting topic. Or... It's an interesting topic, right? I, I, it's really hard to talk about mathematical formulas in a audio format. Which was <laughs> Royal and I have debated how we were going to do this discussion because we don't want to just uh, talk numbers, right? In letters, <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, but I think that the fundamental concepts here actually we can discuss, and it is pretty interesting stuff. Um, anytime you're doing motion whether it's on stage or in a factory or wherever, right. um, you often want to know how long the motion is going to take. Yeah, absolutely. And especially in stage automation, where we're trying to figure out timings to music, right. timings with dialogue, sound effects, whatever. Right, because everything in theater revolves around time. Around time, right? Because, yeah. All yeah. the artistic folks. Exactly. They know time. They don't know like engineering units of like, you know, inches per second or something. They just right. say, I want it to start and stop in 10 seconds. Right. And give me like three seconds for it to smoothly get up to speed. Right. And three seconds to slowly come down or something. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it's really good to understand the math behind how you figure this stuff out. Now, spike mark, of course, you can just punch in target positions and tell it how many seconds you want it to take, and it'll calculate speed and acceleration for right. you. But some software doesn't. Some software doesn't. Or, and, and or if you're doing your own, exactly. That's very safe. If you're doing your own thing, then you gotta you gotta write those equations, right? Right. To, to figure it out for you. So yeah. So I think it's really important to understand how these. It's not magic. In fact, it's really quite simple. Yeah. Right. Um, and 
but understand how the math works and where these formulas come from, how to apply them correctly, and then how yeah, how to apply them correctly to a cue, I think is an important thing to right. realize too. Right. Um, yeah, like I remember when I was starting out and I thought that it was pretty complex math. Right. You know, to like figure out the trajectory and stuff like that. And then you start to look into it and you're like, oh, these are the same equations that we learned in high school. Exactly. Right? And you're like, oh, that's pretty simple. And it's just basic algebra at that point. You know, you're just yep. solving for one variable. You know, you don't, you're not like doing calculus. No. Or anything like that. No, it's algebraic manipulations right. and substitution. Um, yeah, it's, it's really uh, like you when I was starting out in. I think this was, would have been back in my mystic days. Um, right, so like when they had slide rulers. Slide right? rules. Yeah, we were doing everything. <laughs> I need a math check stat. <laughs> no, we were trying to write uh, timing into the into the software we were developing back then. And I remember thinking like, well, I don't even know how we're going to do this. I mean, it's like we're going to have to get some other piece of hardware that gives us the information. Right. And, uh, you know, it wasn't until later on in my life where I was like, wait a second, that like you, I had this realization, like, wait, you know what? This sounds an awful lot like those physics problems, yeah, you know? right. And actually, going back to my high school physics textbook was the answer. Yeah, right, and you're like, when are we ever going to use this? Yeah, when are we going to use this again? This is so stupid. This is silly. <laughs> exactly. Oh, wait. <laughs> um, the equations all, you know, we really got a few different terms that we're interested in when we're talking about... Um, these are all constant acceleration formulas. Right. And we're interested in the displacement, how far we're traveling. Yep. Acceleration, which is velocity and time. And the equations all revolve around those those factors and are expressed in term in whatever term you know. Right. To solve the thing you don't know. Exactly. So it'd probably be good just to go over what are those terms. Right. And so velocity is a big one, right? And so velocity is the speed of an object in a given direction. Right. So how fast something is moving is velocity. And the velocity is the change in displacement over time. time right? right. So like feet per second, meters per second. Inches per second. Inches yeah. per second. Feet right. per minute. Yep. Feet per minute. Right. Right. Um, and then acceleration is the rate of change of velocity per unit of time. So how quickly are you changing speed? Right. So if you're changing um, one foot per second per second, yes. that means that if you're starting from a standstill and you're accelerating at one foot per second per second, yep. that means by after, after one second, you will now be traveling at a velocity of one foot per second, Yep. two and seconds. Right, and so what, what would we be traveling at two seconds then? And then? Sorry to interrupt you. Yeah, and then at two seconds, you'll be doing two feet per second. Right. Three seconds, three feet three per second. Three feet per second, exactly. Yeah, so it's the rate of change of velocity. Right. Right. And then uh, displacement. So displacement is just how far did you go? How far did you go? Right. Yeah. And that's, again, what in, in whatever units you're using. So yeah. inches, feet, meters. So you've got... Time, displacement, velocity, acceleration. Right. These are the four terms that we're always interested in. Um, and then there are, and Royal and I right now are literally looking at a, a screenshot of a textbook. Of a textbook, of a physics textbook. <laughs> and there are like these four major equations that we use. Why don't you take the first one there? Right. So it's V equals V zero 
plus at, which is that equation is velocity as a function of time. Right. Yeah. So there you're trying to find out what is my velocity at a given time. Right. If I know the starting velocity, that's the v zero. Zero. Yep. And then adding it to acceleration. Acceleration times times your time. Times your time, which right? kind of makes intuitive sense. You know, yeah. how many seconds have I gone? Times that times exactly. my acceleration. Right. As yep. you were just saying, you know, how much were you, you know, your your acceleration is one inch per second. Yeah. And then so, you're moving three. You know, you're traveling for three seconds. So what is that? Yep. So a very a very logical uh, representation of something that I think you intuitively know. Like right. How do you figure out the acce- the velocity if you know the acceleration? Well, how many seconds have you been going? Yes. You know. Yep. And then the second one here is um, displacement as a function of velocity and time. So if you know your velocity and you know how long you've been traveling, then how far you're going to figure out how far you have gone. Right. And so here we've got um, displacement or x equals one half of v plus v prime or you know initial velocity times time yep and then the next one the next one is displacement as a function of time and so that equation is x equals v zero times time plus one half at squared right which is acceleration times time squared right yep and that's and that's one where actually we get a little tripped up and we'll get to that later on. Yep. But this is a good example of where we're actually just using simple algebraic substitutions to get that formula. Like right. Maybe the one half AT squared doesn't necessarily make sense to you intuitively. It kind of does if you think about it because it's like the area of a triangle. Exactly. But, yep. Um, but, he, but you can also solve for that algebraically with the ones that are, right. are quite obvious. To get there. And then the last one is velocity as a function of displacement. So you get V squared, velocity squared equals initial velocity squared yep. plus two times acceleration times displacement. Displacement. Two AX. Yep. So V squared equals V zero squared plus two AX. And knowing these four formulas, and right. you know, we've blown through them here. We'll post them up on the website. Yeah. But they're really if you have a high school physics sex look, they're going to be in there. <laughs> they're around, I mean, or yeah. if you just Google this, I mean, they're going to be everywhere. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. So. Um, yeah. So those are the the equations that we use to do things in spike mark like figure out how to run the simulation module. Right. right. So we use these formulas all over the place inside simulation module. Right. Or also to calculate how long the queue is going to take. Right. Exactly. I mean, because because in spike mark when the user puts in the total time should be 10 seconds that's not what that is not what's getting sent to the card the the, the stagehand controller right that's a really good point yeah exactly the controller has no idea of you know the time of the queue exactly it just wants to know acceleration and velocity and displacement yep and so those are the three things we send it displacement acceleration velocity right. that's it and so we have to pre-calculate if you tell me you want it to be 10 seconds, what do those other values have to be? Yeah. And so, like, I always tell people that the time is just there to help us as the human understand what's going on. Right. It has no bearing to the machine at no, all. No, no. Yeah. It's just all calculated values. Yeah. And it's actually an interesting point, too, because it also um, is maybe not obvious, but this is all based, all these are really just purely theoretical physics calculations that we do in Spike Mark. Right. That assumes that the motor is running 
perfectly. Yes. You know? Right. And everything's tuned up. anything. Exactly. Right. Yeah. It's, it's tuned perfectly. Right. Right. Um, and so you'll find that actually one of the good, one of the ways you'll find out if you don't have a well-tuned motor is that you say this cue should take 10 seconds yeah. and you run it and it takes like 12, 15 seconds. Right. The counter, the little counter in the cue grid goes into the negative. Right. Right. So and the, that shouldn't, shouldn't I, happen. Yeah. Yeah. The countdown timer in yeah. the cue grid. Yeah. When it gets to zero seconds and it goes negative one second, negative right. two seconds. And so now we're taking longer than we should. That's a good indication that the motor isn't performing up to the laws of physics. Right. Or, you know, really it's... Poorly tuned. Yes, it's just poorly tuned. Exactly. So, so when Jane sends us the email, you responded. Yeah. Right? And, and, so, she, and so you responded with... Well, she had, so she had an interesting point. So she was, you know, she was looking at these formulas and trying to figure out, you know, kind of wrestle with the intuitiveness of them. Um, and some of it wasn't quite clicking. And, and she was saying, you know, I think if I scroll back up here... Um, Surely just adding velocity to current position would give us the next position. Right. And that's that would be true, of course, if you're just doing a constant velocity move where acceleration is zero. Exactly. Um, and but it gets trickier than that if you're accelerating. So she said she comes up with a little example here. She says, let's assume we're using a time step of one. And so we can say it's one second, one millisecond, kind of doesn't really matter. Whatever it is. One whatever unit of you, time. Yeah, whatever unit we want to use. And then an acceleration of ten. She says, I presume that the calculated positions would be 10, 30, 60, 100, 150, etc. Is this incorrect? And then, actually, that is incorrect. Right. Um, because it's not factoring in acceleration. Because um, she says an acceleration of 10. So she's saying, like, at one second, she would be traveling 10 units per second. second. Yep. And so she would assume that she's traveled 10 units after right. the first second has elapsed right and then it, in one more second um she will have accelerated another 10 yep and so she'll be going 20 units per second so she's thinking well add 20 to 10, to 10. now i get 30 right but again these aren't really factoring acceleration so uh as i wrote back to her trying to correct that example you know at the first time step um of one second given that we've got we're accelerating at 10 units per second per second. The velocity at the end of that first second is 10 units per second. But we've only really traveled five, five. units, five inches. Let's just call it inches and seconds. Inches, right? Yeah. So, and why is that? Well, it's because we were accelerating. So we weren't traveling at 10 units per second the whole time. We started right. at zero. At zero. And, and then, then we got to 10 by the end. Yeah, right. right. And so at a half second... In, we were traveling at five inches per second. second. Right. And that's a really important thing to keep in mind. During constant acceleration, we have to calculate the displacement based on the average, average. velocity. Right. Right? So it's it, over that one second interval, really, your average velocity, because you started at zero, you went to 10. Yep. Your average velocity was only five inches per second. Right. So in one second, <coughs> excuse me. In one second, you would have traveled only five units, one inch. Uh, and so I say, let's go one more click. All right, so that first one's pretty easy. Yep. After another second, we'll be traveling now at 20 inches per second because the acceleration increases velocity by another 20 units per second. But in this second, we started at 10 inches per second. Yep. Right? That's where we were when we left off on our first second. And then we end at 20 inches per second. 
right. by the end of the second second. When we look at the displacement, our average velocity for in that second second, if you will. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> um, our average velocity in that time frame would be 15 because we started at 10, we went to 20. Average velocity. Average velocity is? Is 15. Yep. Um, so in this, in this one second period, from one second to two seconds, we travel another 15 units. So if we add that displacement with the displacement we accrued, yeah, the prior displacement, now we get to 20 units, 20 inches, because we have five inches in the first second, 15 inches in the second second, um, and so now we're at 20. Yes. So where she thought we should be at 30 inches by the end of the second second, no, we're really we're really at 20. 20. Yep. And what's you know, so you can work through that in your head and kind of manually step through these things. Yes. And then apply those same you know, shove all those same parameters into one of the displacement formulas, like the one-half AT squared, which is right. a very popular one, right? Where displacement equals velocity, initial velocity times time plus one-half AT squared. Right. You will end up with the same answers. Yeah, and so, like, Jane had question of why, why is that one-half in there? Right. Right? And so that one-half is in there because of we're taking the average. That's right. Yep. And and if you look through the you know if you look through the major equations and you look at how these things are all derived you know eventually that's really happening also through just standard substitution right um, because you know displacement is the the velocity times time um, and um, if you factor the you know if you factor the equations out and like substitute exactly. take out velocity and put it in terms of acceleration you'll find out that you know that that's how that that, that basic algebraic right. substitution works you can start to works. derive these formulas you can start to derive these formulas exactly because and the key there is that you can then you know with one half at squared you can figure out a displacement without knowing a velocity right and so it takes that intermediate step of figuring out like well what's my velocity at the end of this accelerate you know at the end of three seconds how fast would i be traveling now let's take my um now let's take my displacement displacement from that yep um you know you get rid of that extra step right so it puts it all in terms of there like because you're taking anyway you're taking the average is where the half comes yeah yep it's important like to me when i was learning all of this that once I realized that, like, a standard Q in, in our theater world right. is kind of three of these sections broken up, right? Because uh, our Qs are basically trapezoidal. Yep. Right? So you have acceleration, then you have constant speed. Yep. And then you have deceleration. Yes. And that is super, super right. important. Right. Right? Because if you stack these things together, you know, if you tried to come up with a formula that just said, okay, I'm traveling at... You know, six inches per second with a three inch per second per second acceleration. I want to go twenty inches or yeah. two hundred inches. Uh, five seconds in, how? Where am I? Like, well, Whoa, wait, wait, you wait. can't really just do that. There's <laughs> right. no one formula that'll get you all the way there. You have to first figure out. Well, am I still accelerating? Yep. If I am still accelerating, then I have to use. Then what formula am I using? What formula am I using? And then if I'm not still accelerating, I'm in the constant speed. Then you know, let's figure out how far I. What was my displacement over the the entire acceleration yep. curve, and then add that store into, that right. store that, and then add it to just a simple, straight up um, velocity times, times time. time. Yep. You know, 
factoring in what time did you start, start your right. constant acceler- <laughs> your constant speed move. Right. Um, yeah, but it's that it's in three separate chunks. Right. And so if you're ever trying to actually implement this in code in a PLC, in a little Arduino, whatever, yep. you got to do a little bit of... Your first step in the, the problem for figuring these things out is where am I in the trajectory? Right. Am I accelerating? Am I at constant speed? Or am I decelerating? Or am I decelerating? Right. And treat those as three different... Yeah. Three and, different things. And actually, in you know, this is a little bit esoteric, but inside of SpikeMark, we actually have three separate objects right. for every trajectory. We have acceleration, constant speed, deceleration. And then we have a wrapper object around them that's called trajectory. And so when you ask trajectory to come up with a value for you to say, how long will this move take? Yeah. Trajectory first figures out, okay, which one of these three little objects inside, you know, do I need to use? Right. And then it'll, it'll pass the information to the right one. And then if you're in constant speed, constant speed asks its buddy, hey. What have you done? What have you done? Where did you leave off? What was your displacement at the right. end? And, right. then, uh, and then we figured it out that way. So, yeah, figuring out that a, a standard queue is really three separate trajectories. And then each one of those trajectories is governed by those formulas. Right. Um, is exactly. a key thing. And then in, you know, also remembering odds are you've covered this before, you know, if it's a couple years ago or a couple decades ago, you've I mean more than likely you covered it in physics. That's back right. in high school or college. Right. You've done these problems. It'll come back to you quick. Right. Yep. Just open up those old blow the dust off those old textbooks. <laughs> those old physics textbooks. Yeah. Uh, let's see if I can see the oh, I guess I can't see the page number here, but the uh, I think it's like page 30 in my text my high school physics text where yeah, they go It's over handwritten. There. I got a scroll. Well, it's on a scroll. Yes, it's not really a page. It's just linear inches. <laughs> no, but it's, it's at the beginning, so it'll yeah, be. It's very yeah. It, it, it's a fundamental concept. So anyway, uh, hopefully that helps a little bit. Shed a little light on it and yeah. let you know how uh, you know we use those things. Um, and then honestly, if you understand that stuff and you're trying to implement this in code. If you know what those those formulas are and you know to break your cues up into three chunks, the code is actually pretty straightforward. Right. It's not difficult. So uh, it would be a fun little project to try and do for, uh, you know, with a little embedded device. Yeah, or something. yeah, yeah. like using an Arduino or something. Yep, yep. All right, so um, that I think that's that's good. That's all I really wanted to say about the, the motion math stuff. Yeah. Uh, we are just today. We just shipped out um, a job to Vegas that's yeah, got the, the rotating walls. Rotating walls. Yeah, I guess we could talk about it. I mean, it's on the news in Las Vegas. Oh right. Okay. Right? So yeah. It's for um, it's for Stage House Las Vegas, who is a customer of ours. Yep. And it's going to be at the Bellagio. They are decking out in the fountain. Right. Out in the fountain. Yeah. They're they're decking over the fountain, and uh, it's for a uh, Asian performance group. Yeah, and called Kabuki, right? And not an actual Kabuki effect. N- not an actual Kabuki effect. No, no, no. no. <laughs> yeah. This is their that's their performance group, and so our our gig is the rotating walls. Yep. And so we are we're going out there and we're going to install it, and it's going to be like a lovely like 110 degree heat. Yeah, oh God, it's so brutal. <laughs> but at least you'll have lots of shade on that black on that stage black in the stage. middle of the fountain. <laughs> <laughs> That sounds, uh, yeah, <clears throat> sounds like an opportunity, well, <laughs> so, well, you'll have to fill us in on those details when you get back. Yeah. 
But before going out... But I so think, we shipped today, sorry. Oh, yeah, so we, we that all today. shipped. Right, right. And this was the job that we were using the Nord motors on. Right. And I wanted, to, I wanted to kind of circle back and ask you some questions about the Nord motors, because this is our first job using Nord instead of SEW. Yep. And there had been... We had both uh, entertained the idea that maybe we'd be switching to Nord. Absolutely. You know? Right. Um, they're cheaper and... Uh, they've got some interesting features. They got some nice aluminum models and right. stuff. This was the aluminum this model. This was an aluminum model. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I just want to like kind of go through it all, kind of soup to nuts, uh, product review. So first things first, when it came off the truck, how was the packaging? The packaging was very good. I mean, we've had problems in the past with like getting you know damaged freight, um, but this was you know packed solid. Yep. Um, I mean, it hadn't moved at all. Yeah, uh, so nicely packed. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. They weren't, nobody's skimping on it. They weren't making up that the difference in price <laughs> by skimping on the packaging. <laughs> right, right? right, by just like throwing it on a pallet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, and then for ease of installation and mounting, how did that compare? Um, you know, this one was very easy. Uh, we just used a flange. We, we ordered, so when you order motors, like you can either on the gearbox, you can either get like a flange or you can just use the tapped holes on the gearbox. Um, the flange is usually easier cause like it, you know, makes the motor sit proud. So you don't have to deal with like if the shimming it up, exactly shimming it up or anything like that. So, um, I just, and then the flange gets you outside of the casing of the gearbox too. Exactly. Right. And so like, you know, one of the big advantages of using the flange is that you could just like through bolt it. Yep. Right. Oh, and yeah. then you're See not like at the at the mercy of whatever those threads are that are on the gearbox, which yeah. are usually like some like M, you know, some some some, some M12, metric, M10, right? M10, yeah. yeah, right. And then like if you strip out one of those or something, like, right. Then it's and the depth day. is really critical because yeah, they don't right. Have... Then right, and the depth is screwed us in the past and stuff. So I just went with the flange because it'd be easier, and then we can just you know put some three eighths inch bolts with some dialogs and go to town. Yeah. Um, and, and I guess we should clarify for anyone who doesn't know these are gear motors like they have the gearbox right plus the motor plus the encoder plus the brake all pre-assembled right which is a good point because this was the aluminum gearbox um so i think they make a couple different aluminum gearboxes but this one was like their newer one that came out a couple years ago that is all see-through i mean it's like all it's hollow basically it's hollow like yeah you it has can, like you can spines like your, connecting the the like exterior profile of the yeah. gearbox to the output quill it's goofy looking yeah yeah but i mean you can like put your hand through the gearbox yeah so yeah it is goofy yeah but they do it for 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 weight for weight yeah so okay that's cool so he's a kind of a a draw there exactly I mean, it's kind just of, as, exactly i mean just what i i mean just what we'd imagine it would be like you know because we can get flanges from sew as well and they're the same thing yeah so and that for wiring the motor up um how'd that go wiring the motor was a little was a little goofy at first um a they shipped it as 400 volt uh which which we we caught right away yeah um, you know the it's no big deal when they ship it at four, as 400 volt because you just got to change the little uh how, did, how do you change that what's so, it so, so what, a, how does this line up like we get the motor how do you wire it? Yeah, so there's little knockouts inside of the junction box. So there's you, a junction box on the side of the motor. Right, right. And then you you you, you fish your cable through there. And then inside the junction box, there are f- six terminal, uh, six screw terminals. In okay. There. And, uh, you know, they're just studs with nuts on them. 
And then if you look at the top of the junction box, I mean, of the cover, of the junction box cover, there's like a diagram of, you know, how you wire it for 400 volt or for 200 volt class. Yeah. And there's little brass, uh, I mean, not, not brass, um, copper uh, jumper bars. Oh, between yeah, all these, bars, yeah, 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 and they might yeah. even be brass. Actually, I think they. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, they could be. It doesn't yeah. matter. I mean, they just gotta be conductive. But, um, and so how you situate them between each of the studs for four hundred volt or two hundred volt. Yeah, across that little tic tac toe grid of right, right. And so at first they were shipped for four hundred volt, which luckily we caught because. I've never wired a motor up for 400 volt, but Gareth's got a good story. <laughs> yes, that was actually <laughs> one of the first. Yeah, that's true. I, was, I think that was the first push stick we ever made. And by we, that was really just me. And I was in my buddy Greg Harvey's garage, one of the owners at Mystic, yeah. Scenic. And uh, we, I wired it up and didn't pay attention to the 400 volt, 200 volt. Right, because when you order the motors, right. both with SEW and Nord, you spec what voltage you want. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, and and it's it's a little funky. I mean, if you if you used to kind of traditional motors, uh, good old American motors, <laughs> um, there's usually just like a like a rat's nest of wires in totally. there. Totally, <laughs> right? And you kind of like they have like you know two wire nuts, and you kind of wire nut the the right yeah, leads right? together to get the w- right wiring. But this looks so official. It's you know they got this nice junction terminal. Bo- uh, like you said, with studs on it and nuts, and everything is crimped with eyelets. Yeah, and it's like per- it's like pristine. Yeah, and it comes you like I guess it's ready to go. It looks like it's ready. Right, to go. I'm just gonna put these wires, yeah, put the wires in, and go to town. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, so I was load testing it, and the thing could not. It could barely pick up like a hundred, two hundred pounds. And it, you know, it was a five horse motor. It's five right. horse motor. It should be able to pick up a thousand pounds with the gearing and everything that we have. Like on no there. torque. <laughs> Had no torque, and I was going crazy because I'm like, what is wrong? What have I done? How did I, what have I, you know, where have I screwed up yeah. my calculations? What is this all about? Yeah, this doesn't make any sense. And um, yeah, and then eventually I, I was like, wait a second. Whoa. Wait a second. This is not wired correctly. Right. And so yeah, just rewiring it for the correct voltage, you know, you get right. your get your torque back. Yeah, one of the guys was asking me here why they do it. And I said, the only reason I could think is like it's safer for them to wire it at 400 volt than 200 volt because Yeah, that's you're not going to blow too. anything up, you know. Yeah, that's always been my theory too cuz for a while SEW would do that too. They'd ship everything at 400 volt regardless of how you ordered it. Right. And that's what I thought too. I was like, well, I guess it's you're not going to blow up the motor. You're just going to have it not have full torque. Exactly. But you'll probably right. figure that out. But you're not going to yeah, do any damage to yeah. your several thousand dollar motor. Yeah. So um, so, so once that guy worked out, that was no big deal. Uh, you know, we had, we're used to like the SEW have the cord grips that we use on the junction box to hold the, the cord in. Yeah. Um, are like an American cord, you know, American thread size. Yeah. Yeah. And um, so, yeah. So we're all stocked for that. And it never crossed my mind that these could be different until, uh, I started looking at them like, Oh, this is not mpt at all so yeah. i had a hard time like tracking down like what it was and then once i got a hold of the salesman and everything he was able to tell me what what core grip it was and then able to order it from mcmaster pretty easily yeah. so but that was a little bit of a hassle i mean right again it was no big deal but but still it's just yeah and they shipped like one <laughs> adapter <laughs> That's a good point. i forgot about that yeah they shipped one adapter to go from the metric to the mpt right but then like how do you get the break in there because right. because the break <laughs> The brake also wires up in the junction yeah. box. So Yeah, I mean, I guess if you were, yeah, it's possible. Like on our spot line, for instance, we run everything right. through a single conduit. But on our... Or if you're firing the brake off of when you... Oh, that's true. Enable the motor or something. Yeah. I don't know. 
Yeah, because we wire the brake independently of the motor because we're running the motor on a VFD, so we don't right. want to send that power to the brake. We have a separate line for that. Right, yeah. so if you're like doing a garage door or something. But, yeah, whatever. All right, and then how about the encoder? The encoder I thought was pretty good. Um, I mean, the encoder is... It's got... you know it, On the encoder, all of the the terminals were labeled, okay. which was nice. Like it, it told you like what the wires were. Oh, that's um, nice. Yeah. yeah. As opposed to like going to dig up a data sheet. Yeah, you know, they did use like a proprietary connector on right. that encoder, uh, which again, I wasn't uh, sure of, you know, I didn't know that that didn't, that that came like that as opposed to like the SCW where it's yeah. just a raw encoder with some terminals in there and we right. can show and whatever, whatever wire want we want in there. Yeah. So, but this we had to, um, to get a, a cable for. I mean, we could have made our own or got the tool and everything, but it wasn't worth it at that point. Yeah, we just got their cable. Yeah. Um, so, you know, th- we had to buy the cable, so it was like additional cost, but still wasn't much. You know, they the encoder was higher was higher resolution than what we're used to on the SEW. Oh, right. Which is, I guess, That's nice. nice. Yeah. It's a bonus. Yeah, it's like a 4,000 pulse per rev as opposed to the SEW, which is like 10, which is 1024. Yeah. So. Yeah. Which is good. That's nice. Yep. Um, did they have? Did you have any need for instructions? Did they have instructions? Were they clear instructions? Uh, you know, I didn't really read instructions. Yeah, uh, I don't think they had many instructions either. But they were yeah. just kind of wiring up a motor, which is something yeah. you know something I'm familiar with, and also wiring up an encoder. And once I found what the wires were for the encoder, it was no big deal either. Yeah. So. So no real different than what, like if it were a newbie doing it. Right. If it were a newbie doing it, I think you, I would be like, what am I supposed to do here? Yeah. You know? And SEW, you think would be better at that or it's kind of same? I think it's about the same. About the I mean, same. Yeah. yeah. I think That's it's about the same. That's what I think too. It's like neither of them come with like great. No, like step-by-step. Step. No step-by-step instructions. You're going right. to have to start taking things apart and Right. Because like out. the other thing I've always thought was interesting is like both SEW and now Nord put little jumpers on their brake to fire the brake from the motor right power and like if you didn't know that <laughs> yes you know if you didn't know what was going on you yeah you'd, you'd have hook no up idea your VFD and wonder why things weren't working right yeah because your brake's not coming on <laughs> yeah I, I think both of them could do a little bit better job of like including an instruction sheet yeah because it doesn't really need a lot but no. one sheet of paper would would go a would long help way out new people i think quite a bit yeah absolutely and then so how about operationally so operationally, I mean, up until up until all this, I was like, "Oh, this is pretty nice." Right? This is, you know, I like it's the encoder. Cheaper. Yeah, it's cheaper. I like the encoder. You know, yeah. it's like the cord grips are fine. Blah 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 blah. Yeah, like, this is pretty nice. The cord grips, you're like, yeah, it's a little bit of a pain, but it's only a pain once. Exactly. Like, now that like, we know what it is, we will always remember that. Yeah. And we can put it in inventory. And, yeah. Bingo. Yeah. Um. But yeah, we fired it up, and the first thing we noticed was the brake. The brake was, was loud. I mean, it sounds like you made this comment that it sounds kind of like the old Dayton brakes, right? <laughs> yeah, like the right. Which are like the brakes that everybody was used to until a couple of years ago. And now everybody's getting used to like the SEW brakes of like right. where they're just like silent. Yeah. Like, right. You a little, just, a little knock. It's not even that loud. You right. Know, like, right. And like our, and then like I also pointed out like our huge brakes that we use on our spot lines. Yep. Like those are yeah, our yeah. redundant brakes that are you know 500 newton meters so right load side ti- brakes right, yeah. hundred times bigger than this brake are quieter than this brake <laughs> yeah you know and like that 
Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. That's no good, too. That's no good. I mean, because, like, we couldn't, I think you said, like, how can we put this on a revolver? Right. You know, yeah. like, you, where the revolver is, like, on stage. On stage. Downstage, maybe. Like, right. near the audience. Like, within 15 feet of the audience. Like, oh, turntable's about to move. <laughs> right. I heard that clap. <laughs> Click. <laughs> Click. <laughs> turntable's moving. You know? Yeah. Like, that totally destroys the illusion. Yeah. Yeah. And it'd be, you know, we were talking about it, because I know some of the... Uh, Folks that make hoist like ETC uses uses them, right? Um, And I mean, I my best guess. I mean, either they figured out a way to make them quieter, or it's just that you know what? Up in the fly loft, I bet it'd be fine. It's not that loud, right? It's not that loud, but but boy, down on stage, down on stage, that's no good. Right, can't do it. And then like we were saying, like we can't switch from SEW. No. To, you know, for, like, the silent breaks to Nord and, like, have all the customers be like, well, on our last push stick, it was really quiet. It was really nice, and now it costs the same money, but it's crappier. <laughs> so thanks but for that. You can hear it in the thirty in row 30. Yeah. Yeah, no, we absolutely would not be able to do that. It's like yep. we can – our only way to go is quieter. We cannot go louder, louder. or anything. Yeah. Right. So, so that was a bummer, and then um, we – Took it up to full speed. You know, we, we played around with it for a while and took it up to full speed. And after getting to like 75% or so, we started to notice that the gearbox, well, the motor started to shake. I actually think it was coming from the motor. Um, yeah. There was like a rattle to it. And it was not, I mean, you could see it moving a little bit on the table. Yep. Uh, it wasn't stable, which is, which is a little weird. It's a little weird. It seems like something's a little out of balance. Or exactly. Yeah. Right. And it, again, not not something that's a concern. I mean, like, I'm sure it's well-made. I'm sure it's going to last long. It's not going to affect – it's not a loud enough – it's not a rattle that you're going to hear out right. in the audience or anything like that. It's just – it's not rock steady like the SEWs were. Right. And, you know, and I haven't – I didn't remember this until just now, but a couple of years ago, we had a problem with an SEW motor making a rattle. Yeah. And I contacted them, like, sent them a video and contacted them, and that rattle was less than this. And they are like, oh, you got to send it back. Right, and yeah. then they fixed it. So yeah, I, I think it's just like you were saying, just something a little out of balance. Yep. And then the manual brake release, um, it, again, it's kind of a bummer. I mean, the SCW has a little spot on the motor for you to keep that handle to screw into the manual brake release. All right, because the. There's a motor on the brake that always engages if power goes out. A brake on the motor. I'm sorry. Uh, and a motor on the brake. <laughs> I buy brakes with motors attached. <laughs> I don't know how you do it, Royal. <laughs> There's a brake on the motor that uh, you know, slams shut or you know, engages anytime power is lost. Right. And it sits on the back end of the motor, away from the gearbox. Yep. And you have to have power to energize it. But if you were without power and you still needed to release the brake, there's a manual lever that right. you can pull up. You can pull up. But it, it has a removable handle on that lever. Right. 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 And so SEW, I mean, it's nothing fancy. They just put a little clip on there so it hides in the heat, one of the heat sinks of the, fan, of yeah, the motor. Yeah, it's like a 3-8-inch-ish <laughs> right. rod with, that's threaded on one yeah, end. Yeah, 5 inches long or something. Yeah. But it hides in the you know one of the heat sinks of the motor. And Nord supplies you with that little thing. It's a little shorter, but there's no place to put that on the motor. Yeah, so you so, just have this loose. Yeah, which is kind of a bummer. Manual release you know? handle, yeah. Yeah. So now it's like, what do you do with that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. And then. Um, Chuck it in the fan housing. 
<laughs> just have it run around like a roulette wheel. Then you won't lose. And then you know if they ever stop making noise, you've lost the handle. Right. Time yeah, to everybody new stop. We gotta hey, get ooh, it. We gotta get, get, get a handle. handle in here. New handle. <laughs> um, and then it's a small thing, but since the encoder is different, we would have to remember to change that on the pros because, like on our Sagehand Pro. We we have to put in what that encoder resolution is on the VFD. Yeah, since it's a closed loop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so then we're like, then we're like, how did you, did you we... remember to do that the first time? Oh, <laughs> when you were first hooking it up. <laughs> no, no, I didn't, and it made some god awful noise. And I'm like, holy crap! Did I just screw up the little bars? Right, the little jumper bars. I'm like, wait a second, what did I do here? Yeah, you were like. You were a little panicked. Yeah. Because yeah. it, it's always touchy when you have something <laughs> new in the mix, right? right. Exactly. Like, there's this back of your head fear every time you touch a new piece of equipment. Like, I, I haven't done this before. Am I screwing this up? Right. And you're like, well, I mean, I got to ship in like two days too. So Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so at least there's no time to replace it if I have ruined it. Right. Right. And uh, so we fired it up and it like shook and made some god-awful noises. And then we were like, what the hell is going on? Yeah. And... I forgot to change the the encoder resolution, the encoder resolution on the VFD. Yeah, that fixed it. And that fixed it. Yeah, but then as you the, pointed at out, that point, the VFD really it was trying to do something radically different with the motor. Like right. It was watching the encoder pulses and doing something very wrong with the power to the motor because it didn't understand how fast the motor was exactly going. what was yeah. going on. Yeah, so it would just be it kind of caused another wrinkle in our stock product line of like, yeah, is this a Nord? Stagehand Pro, yeah. or is this an SEW Stagehand Pro? Yeah, so. totally. But. So to recap, what do you think are the pros of the of the Nord stuff? Um, you know, I think one of the biggest pros would be the weight. It's very lightweight. Okay. I um, mean, given you know it's a two horse motor, I don't remember the the reduction of the gearbox now, but I remember that like the output RPM was like thirty five. Oh yeah, so, so pretty so hefty, pretty I mean, hefty reduction, yeah. and it was like seventy pounds. So oh, uh, that's a lot of weight savings. Yeah, so yeah. it's pretty light. This, this is the the aluminum, the advantage of the aluminum. Exactly. Yeah. If I remember correctly, it saved us like thirty five, forty pounds. Yeah, like if we would have gone with an SEW one. Um, I like the package of it. I think that it was pretty small. Um, I like the hollow gearbox. You know, I think obviously that yeah know, contributes to the weight, the weight right. loss. Um, the encoder I thought was nice, the higher resolution. I got no ground to stand on by saying that that would be better, but obviously well, the more, more is always better. Yeah. The more resolution you can get, the better it will be. Um, the, the cost was awesome. Yeah. I mean, it was significantly cheaper than SCW. <clears throat> and then the lead time was pretty good. You know, even though they couldn't like guarantee like what it was going to be. Right. Until it was always played. a range right exactly. up until the day they shipped. Right. Right. And then, but I mean, they shipped in like three days. Yeah. Without paying like a rush charge or anything like that. Yeah. So I mean that's pretty good. That's pretty good. Um Yeah, so those were first time customers. Exactly, right. So, yeah, you never know how that <laughs> might that, drift. That in might a couple slip. months, what would that be? Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> right. And then what do you think the downside is? I I mean one of the biggest downsides to me would be the selection process. I mean, actually if, purchasing, the actually motor, purchasing, like finding yeah, it, finding yeah. the motor and then purchasing it. I mean, as we discussed on a few episodes back, it took us a long time right. to figure out what gearbox, <laughs> to you know, navigate to figure out the what, catalog. Right, what motor we need. And then come to find out the hour, hour and a half we spent on it, it didn't yeah. do any good because it was all wrong. 
<laughs> yeah, know, right. all they had to change basically, and then you know placing the order was just a pain. I mean, I'm used to, we're used to SEW where go on the website, go on the website, the yeah, do it all right there, and then hit buy, and it yeah. happens. So placing the order was kind of a pain. So um, the break, obviously, the break was loud. Uh, I think the between the ordering and then the break, those are kind of deal killers yeah. for us. I mean, we we could probably get over the ordering. Yeah. Because that just affects us. Yep. But the brake. You can't, the, we can't have something we, we, loud like yeah, that. We yeah. can't do that. And then the motor has a rattle. The motor, the rattle at the high speeds. Right. I think, again, if this was like a product or if the brake wasn't so loud, we I'd probably look more into it and like talk to Nord about it. And, and see if like see, this was this just a, you know, right. a one-time if, problem or exactly. like something they can do to. Exactly. But I think that between the, like I said, the selection and then really the brake is just kind of yeah. deal killers. So. so it sounds like Nord is not for us. Like we're right. not going to use Nord in the future. We're going to stick with SEW or wait till the next other great exactly ge- right gear motor comes along. But um, but I think it is an interesting thing for folks out there that are maybe making their own machinery. Absolutely. If you can get past these shortcomings, there is quite a, a substantial cost savings. Right. Um, and so that's something to keep in mind when yeah. you're when you're looking into stuff. Yeah. So. Absolutely. So. Cool. Well, thanks for the for the update. Yeah. Um, something else that came up this week, uh, we had a customer inquiring about our Showstopper three, right? Which is awesome. It's fantastic. Really love the Showstopper three. Yeah. Big fan of it. Um, they were concerned that they couldn't use the Showstopper three with their old equipment. Right, and they've been a long time customer. Long time customer. And so he's he's very familiar with the gear. Yeah. And very familiar with with us. And of course, that's gut wrenching when you think of the investment that you might have made, and just think like, "Well, now I'm stuck," you know, with the old showstopper, the old that old crappy showstopper, that old crappy showstopper. And I want the new, I want the new hotness, but I can't. I'm not. I can't replace everything. Right. I got to get all new stagehands to to get the new showstopper. And clearly, we need to do a little better job on our marketing and and make it clear to everybody that that is absolutely not the case the showstopper 3 is completely compatible with every stagehand we've ever made yes it is a drop-in replacement for your existing showstopper right. which is something we worked hard on <clears throat> yes i mean because initially we we thought maybe this wasn't going to happen right yeah we made we made a concerted effort to make right. sure that the showstopper would be cross compatible with both new stagehands old stagehands all across our product line so uh I thought it'd be a good way to just uh, podcast is a great way to let people know. Absolutely. If anyone out there is having those same thoughts and doubts, just let you know that absolutely the showstopper three is completely compatible with old stuff and new stuff. And like you said, we'll work on the the website and all that too. Yeah. Try to to clean that up to make sure that it's clear that, uh, yeah, the the showstopper three is, is not, does not require the new stagehand pro and vice versa. Right. And then other big news other, Other big, big news, news, we've got Spike Mark 3.3. That's right. That's released, right? That's right. That's right. We talked last uh, episode about some bugs that I'd encountered um, out in Colorado yep. on the Chitty Chitty Bang Bang um, uh, show, and those have been fixed. Spike Mark 3 is released. 3.3, I should say. 3.3 right. is released. You can go grab it from our website. It's got, the yeah, a couple of bug fixes and then a new nice new feature for position scaling that we can talk more about next week. Yep. Um, but uh, just let people know it's out there it's on the website if you're right. heading into production or better yet if you're not yet in production 
even yeah. a little downtime, go to go update grab your it, computers, update all your computers, get Spike Mark 3.3. As always, Spike Mark is totally free. Yep. So no reason not to upgrade. Um, and there's a couple of a couple of pretty big bug fixes in there that I would say even in, on this one, even if you're in production at this point, I would seriously consider upgrading. Especially if you're using the Showstopper 3, right? Yeah. If you're using the Showstopper 3 consulate. Exactly. So. Exactly. So. All right. Well, thanks for everyone. Uh, thanks for listening to everyone. Uh, if you like the show, please rate it on iTunes and tell your friends. It's the best pit way for people to find the show. And if you have things you'd like us to talk about, send an email to podcast at creativeconnors.com. And we'll see you next week-ish. Yeah, absolutely. Have a good one, guys. (laughs) Take care. (laughs)